Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Championship team. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. Going beyond the box score and the diamond, this is the show with the latest news and information on your hometown nine and the entire organization. It's Inside Twins. Inside Twins is sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. It is our season finale of our Sunday show, Inside Twins, as always, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Twins and the Tigers here on the last Sunday of the regular season. Twins are off to Chicago to wrap up the year with games Monday through Wednesday, but our last Sunday show. And we thought we'd bring it back to what we did a year ago as we wrapped up the other season and the Sunday show with kind of a round table. We bring that back again. And what a panel we have. We have the Cupertino Kid, and we have the All-Star Closer, Glenn Perkins, Danny Gladden, kind enough to join us for our Sunday show. Guys, thanks for stopping by. And I guess your emotions will start with you, Danny. The final Sunday of the season, three more to go with the White Sox series coming up. But uh, looking back at 2022 overall, what comes to mind? Well, I, I, spring training comes to mind. I just want to you know, thank you, first of all, for allowing me to, to be on the show here. Which probably not going to be a puff show, right? No, we're going. This is going to be pretty, pretty intense. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go back to spring training where I think it all started, uh, and that is with the signing of Correa and the lockout and the action that happened around the Minnesota Twins and the excitement that we felt, or at least I felt, uh, with the addition of all these players uh, that we got, uh, the trade of Donaldson and getting to Sanchez or Shell. That was just there was just so much excitement and anticipation of where the Twins are going to be and how well they're going to play. And sure enough, they lived up to that for a good four, four and a half months. And that's what I think of. And then the, the what's happened probably the last month, month and a half of the season is kind of disappointing. Well, yeah, I mean, I a, a lot of what Danny said, I can echo that. And it's it's been a weird season. I, I think, yeah, the expectations coming in, I, I think that there was questions coming into the season, at least that I had about the starting rotation and how they were going to fare. And I think those bared out. In the end, when you have a team start the way the Twins did, two really good months, they were in a really good spot at the end of May, and, and things kind of started to unravel from there. And a lot of that had to do with the pitching and and, and kind of just seeing that slow bleed throughout the summer sucked the life out of me a little bit. I, I loved the signing of Correa. I loved the trade to bring in Urshela and Sanchez, get Sonny Gray in spring training as well, and, and all of those things, the promise that the season brought. And, and I, I certainly didn't think we'd be sitting here on the last Sunday of the season 
having a conversation about what went wrong with this team. You know, Perk, uh, obviously when you look at September and last month, the injuries certainly were, were obvious and noticeable day in and day out. But, but going back, when did you first start? You mentioned pitching a moment ago, but not just that, but other, I guess, issues that came up with this team that caught your eye that were problematic happened around when? Well, I, I think, you know, we saw it really was at the Yankee series in, in mid-June where they jumped out to a couple early leads and weren't able to, weren't able to hang on. And, and, you know, as much as I said about the pitching and, and the staff not being able to live, to, to live up to expectations or to get through a season and to be able to contribute in the way that I thought they could, is the offense always had this feeling of scoring runs early and then not being able to add on. And I've, I've spent a lot of time over the last couple months talking about that, that that, to me, as much as anything, puts more pressure on the starting rotation. It puts more pressure on the bullpen. And so that Yankee series, when they had those leads, it seemed like, hey, this is a team that can compete. But then they weren't able to get the job done. And that became a theme throughout the summer. This is one of the best teams scoring runs in the first inning and early in games. And, and then just not being able to add on throughout games, as that became a theme, it became worrisome for me. And then that trend continued. And then, yeah, once injuries start to happen like they always do, the depth isn't able to pick up the slack for the stars that got hurt. Hey guys, sticking with the topic of starting pitching, remember to start the season, that was a strength with this Twins team. They had among the better staff ERAs in the game the opening month of the season. But as the season played out, remember, there was also a change in coaching. Wes Johnson left the team, and Pete Mackey became the pitching coach uh, in July. And, Danny, looking back on the, on the Twins' struggles, certainly it began that month. Do you, do you see any correlation there when Wes left and Pete became the acting pitching coach? It was definitely a shock that I thought it rippled through the team here. And I think that, you know, don't forget, uh, Wes Johnson dealt mostly, if not exclusively, with just the starters. And now all of a sudden, Pete Mackey, who only worked with the bullpen guys, had to flip-flop and now had to learn the personalities of the pitchers, uh, the starting pitchers. And I think that that was a big transition and things didn't work out well. Injuries are always part of it. But I'm going to go back to when, when uh, Byron Buxton uh, went down in Boston early in the season. And then all of a sudden, he was put on the program to where, okay, we're going to play him, defense, we're going to DH him game or two, let him play some offense, and they rested him. And they, we thought that the plan was in place to work, and it did because Byron was kind of the MVP uh, of our team for the first half of the season, even made the All-Star game. And, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden the injury started to mount, and it got to the point where, okay, something else happened. He goes down. He was a big part of this offense. And you talk about scoring runs. Uh, they would put up a big number in an inning, and then, like you said, sit on it. The other thing that jumps out to me Runners in scoring position. They seem to always lately, uh, the last month and a half, two months of the season, the inability to pick up a two-out base hit or even move the runner over from from scoring position. And those are the things, hopefully going into the offseason, that they're going to look heavy at and try to change that somehow. Yeah, Perk, I want to bring you back in because your playing career is not too long ago with, with the dynamic and the way that Wes Johnson set things up, that, that as the pitching coach, he was around the starters more and Pete Mackey was pretty much working with the bullpen guys day in and day out. Is that the norm in today's game, or was that pretty pretty unusual? I think that that's the norm now. That certainly wasn't the norm when I played. Um, we didn't have the same setup. There's two pitching coaches in this dugout, an assistant pitching coach um, in the dugout along with Pete Mackey. 
and, and then the, the coaching situation they have where, where Colby out there is, is almost more of a third pitching coach as opposed to somebody, frankly, that answers the phone. That's what Rick Stelmazic was back then. There was some mental things that he would talk to you about preparation-wise, but mostly it was just a guy facilitating who was going to pitch. And, and so the way that stuff has changed is nothing like when I played. We didn't have any scenario like that. My last bullpen coaches, Bobby Cuellar and, and Eddie Verdado, had experience as pitchers but still weren't coaches in that sense the way they have it set up now. And I don't know how much that actually had an impact be- because of the, the starters that I've talked to over the last couple months, unprompted have said really good things about Pete Mackey and, and what he's done with them. And, and part of being a professional athlete is dealing with changes, dealing with unfamiliar situations and being able to overcome that. So I, I don't think that you can say that the performance of the pitching staff has as much to do with the change in the, in the coaching as I frankly think that the philosophy of the way that they've pitched has become somewhat predictable. And, and I think as the league caught on to how the Twins were attacking hitters, they made adjustments. And, and, and for a big chunk of the summer, the, the, the Twins pitching philosophy didn't adjust back. All right, that's a good place to break out. We'll come back and, and talk more about that because I want to bring back something that I asked Thad Levine on that topic on the show last week. It's Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer. Our Sunday season finale continues next from Detroit on your home for Twins baseball. Welcome back to Inside Twins brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Provis back with you from Detroit. Twins and the Tigers wrapping up the series here today and then three more to go before the season winds down Wednesday in Chicago. It's our season finale roundtable, joined by Danny Gladden, Glenn Perkins. And, Perk, I want to go back to something you mentioned in the last segment about how how the Twins pitching plan and plans became rather predictable. Do you think, as we get set for the hot stove in the offseason, that that could impact free agency, that players all talk about how the Twins were not a team that, that, that put too much trust in their starter going out there for that fifth or sixth inning to face that lineup a third time. Could that impact guys wanting to sign here as free agents? I think if you're trying to get upper echelon kind of guys, guys that expect to pitch deep into games and seeing what, you know, there, there are certain guys in this team, I think, that that maybe haven't earned that to be able to pitch deeper into games. But you could certainly say that Sonny Gray and, and now Joe Ryan have track records, track records as guys that can get deeper into games, and they – weren't always allowed. Sonny Gray was a little bit more vocal about that later in the season in August, in early September, about wanting to pitch deeper into games, his desire to. And I, I think that there's no question. And if somebody's doing their due diligence uh, about maybe potentially coming here, Sonny Gray is going to be a guy that they talk to. Now, I think that Sonny Gray would say a lot of positive things about the support staff here. And, and so those things... I think could benefit the Twins in, in potentially signing guys. But if you just look at it and, yeah, if there's guys that want to be able to pitch deeper into games, that hasn't happened here. And, and I think that, that I think that could be a, maybe a deciding factor, but it's certainly going to be a factor. You know, I, I think it is frustrating with some of the pitchers in that the analytics part that has taken over, in particular, third time through the lineup. They feel that the numbers don't uh, match up well with that particular pitcher, whereas some guys – like you said, they maybe have earned that right. They're more of a seasoned veteran, uh, can, can adjust through it. But I think it's so analytic-driven that if you're a free agent and you want to come here as, let's say, a starting pitcher, you're going to have to look at it and say, well, the analytics say that I'm only going to go four innings and can't go any uh, 
throw Chris Archer out there, and there's your poster child of a guy that would go four innings, and that was it. And I think prior to the game, knowing that, it's already set up as to the bullpen, and then your bullpen can get eventually worn down, knowing that every fifth day, Chris Archer, and if you double him up with, a, with Dylan Bundy, who's going to maybe go five, now your bullpen's going to get taxed, and we saw it this year with the rotation. 37 different pitchers pitched for the Minnesota Twins this year. Well, and I think that there could be a little bit more feel, an in, in-game feel of, of this guy's got it today. He's got good stuff. He breezed through the first first two times through the order. That potentially that's a game that you could say, hey, this guy could go. Let, let's let him go the sixth inning, the seventh inning. And I go back to, to Terry Francona at the end of, Jan, of, the end of June in the five-game, four-day four series in Cleveland, and he let Cal Quantrill – go eight innings in that game and in the sixth inning he gave up a double a home run and then another double but he had enough trust in him hey made a couple bad pitches but he's throwing the ball really well let's see if we can extend him a little bit he rewarded him with two more innings really swung that series which ultimately swung the division in in Cleveland's favor and that was a moment where a very analytical organization uh, and, a, and a, a coach that embraces analytics, but also a guy that, that is going to use his gut and the feel of what he sees on the field in certain moments overtake maybe what the numbers say is the best thing. And, and I think that that's something that can be worked on with this team. Here's what I don't like about the, the numbers in only going four innings or the third time through the lineup. They'll never change. That pitcher will never get an opportunity to change. If he does have bad numbers third time through the lineup, he'll never get an opportunity to type, maybe change those numbers to where they, they favor him a little bit more. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, today we're going to see Simeon Woods-Richardson guys make his big league debut. We've seen Louis Varlin come up. We've seen Josh Winder come back from AAA. As you look ahead and begin to think about what this rotation will look like in 2023, it has to be encouraging that we're seeing now homegrown guys. And yes, Woods Richardson came over in a trade, but seeing homegrown guys finally arrive and trying to make an impact and a, and a weekly impact with this rotation because we haven't seen that or said that, Danny, too much in recent years. Is four or five starts enough to see Varland no one going into the offseason? Woods Richardson's going to start. Is that one start going to be enough to go into the offseason saying we're going to pencil him in as one of our starters? I don't think that that's necessarily it, but seeing guys, and I, I would put any guy that they've acquired in a trade in the same category as any guy that they've drafted and developed. That's Woods Richardson, Joe Ryan are guys that they identified in other organizations and brought in because they liked something that they did and they thought they could make them better pitchers. And don't forget, so, you had to give up good players to yeah, get those guys. But I, but I think that, that the, the one thing that I've been waiting to see with this organization when they brought Derek Falvey here, he was the pitching guy in Cleveland. Cleveland had all the young guys that came up, and they're all there now carrying that team to a division title. I've been waiting to see some of these guys, and we haven't seen enough of them yet. At this point next season, we'll have seen – a large chunk of Louis Varland starts. I would assume we'll have seen a large chunk of Simeon Woods Richards and starts as, as well. I think going into next season, if you're leaning on those guys coming out of spring training, something probably didn't go quite right in the offseason. That I think those, you know, you, you, you have Maeda coming back, you have Joe Ryan, you have Sonny Gray, you have Tyler Malley. So there's there's guys that are established, there's guys that that certainly belong in a major league rotation. What you want is is those younger guys to start to push the, the guys that have been around a little bit, and I think we are finally seeing some of the fruits of, of Derek Falvey's regime showing up here in the major leagues. One more topic before we take our last break, and we mentioned Carlos Correa's name briefly in the first segment, but Danny, how much of what the Twins 
plan on doing this offseason hinges upon him and what he decides to do when he has, you know, within the first five days of the completion of the World Series to let the Twins know of his plans. But are the Twins pretty much going to not do much until they have an idea what, what Carlos will do? Well, I think once the season's over, I think collectively the, the, the guys up in the front office will have an idea. It's either going to go this way or it's going to go that way. What's the game plan if Carlos elects to become a free agent and shop his wares around? Uh, what are the Twins? Do they have a backup plan, which I'm sure they will? Is that backup plan, is it on the field today? Is it somebody in the minor leagues? Is Royce Lewis going to potentially be that guy? Uh, or are they going to have to go out and maybe get another stopgap guy until maybe Royce Lewis? Like an Andrelton Simmons Andrelton or somebody Simmons, like yes. that. Yeah. You know, are they, are they going to go that route? But hopefully that Carlos Correa and the Twins can kind of work something out to where he doesn't opt out or they give him some more extension because he's a great fit with this club here. He's one of the guys that a lot of the players, especially the younger players, uh, Jose Miranda, gravitates to him. He makes Miranda better, and I think that's what you're looking for in a player like Carlos Correa. I will tell you that my view on Carlos Correa and what he means to this organization personally and organization-wide, future-wide, are, are two different things from when they signed him till, till right now. And that is Royce Lewis was coming back from a knee injury. He was going to be in the minor leagues. He was a shortstop of the future. And I thought, hey, they got an opportunity to get Carlos Correa on a one, potentially two- or three-year deal, but most likely a one-year deal that would be a stopgap for Royce Lewis to potentially be the next shortstop and not a stopgap of the caliber of Andrelton Simmons. You're getting potentially the best shortstop in the game to be your stopgap. That's a pretty good situation to be in. Royce Lewis obviously went down. He's going to be back at some point middle of next season. So I think where it changed for me, though, is watching Carlos Correa play every day and realizing that that's a guy that you want to build a team around. And I was thinking in spring training, at the end of spring training, when he signed that, hey, have a great season, opt out, see you later, thank you very much, bring in Royce Lewis. You watch him play this season, and and there's no part of me that thinks that, that they – can't do everything they need to do to try to get him to come back long term. I, I, I mean, it's it seeing that guy play a shortstop every day has been mind blowing for me. Yeah, he has been really, really good. Certainly finishing his season with a flourish defensively and at the plate. We'll come back and wrap up our Sunday show. Get some thoughts about how the game will look in 2023. Some changes coming to Major League Baseball. As we wrap up our Sunday roundtable with Danny Gladden, Glenn Perkins, Inside Twins, brought to you by Killerbrew Root Beer, concludes next on your home for Twins Baseball. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
It's our final segment of Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. Corey Provis back with Glenn Perkins, Danny Gladden, our Sunday season finale of Inside Twins. And, guys, the game will look differently at the big league level next season. Rule changes are coming. Perk, let's start with you. Where are you at about uh, the new look game come 2023? I think it's a. I think there, there's some good moves. I think it's it's the game is at a state where you have to embrace change. And as much as I was resistant to putting a guy in second base in extra innings, I think that's something that's moved games along, at least in extra innings. And I think trying to move games along throughout the the, the meat of the game and trying to speed things up, trying to, to change the way the game is played, I think those are all good things. I've never been a fan of the shift, so I love that they're taking that away. And, and I also appreciate a guy that can work fast on the mound. That was something that I prided myself on. So pushing guys to, to work a little bit faster, keep the pace of the game moving. It's going to make the product on the field better. Defenders are going to love not having to stand around as much. And I think fans will like watching it. Danny? I think everybody's on board for the stop clock, for the pitch clock. Everybody's on board for that. I think it's going to speed the game up uh, 100%. They're talking about either 25 to 30 minutes off of a game. I'm all for that. The... You know, the, the larger bases, it's not a big deal to me. They're, they're doing that, trying to create more action on the bases uh, and getting guys to run a little bit more. Uh, I don't know why they don't try to run them now anyway because there are certain guys that have the ability to steal some bases. And the last couple of years, there hasn't been a premium on a catcher being able to throw down to second base. So we should be taking advantage of the inability of a catcher to catch and throw and, and get that running game, regardless if you have the, the larger bases or now you can not throw. You can only throw over there twice. Uh, if not, the third time you throw over, don't pick him off. It's a balk. He advances to second base. Uh, the shift, I, I've watched the shift. I think it's, it's part of the uh, analytics that shows, hey, this guy hits the ball over here. Why can't we shift guys over there? Get them off the grass if you're going to shift. But at the same time, uh, you know, again, it's all designed for more offense. And I just think that, uh, you know, now are you going to start teaching the guys to hit the ball on the ground more because there's not three guys over there? How easy would it have been to hit the ball to the shortstop when there's three on the right side? And we saw it with the Angels. They did it to us seven times. They beat the shift on us and just flicking the ball over there. I think that's what you need to do if you want a little more offense is to teach that brand of baseball. All right, guys, we have just about uh, 50 seconds left. So I'll give you guys each about 15 or 20 seconds. Looking back on 2022 and what excites you for 2023. Perk, go ahead. I, I, I think the one thing that excites me the most is what Joe Ryan did this year. And talking to him over the last few days, how cerebral he is, how he thinks about his game, and how he wants to improve. It was so easy to forget that he was a rookie this year, and I cannot imagine how difficult it was for him and how difficult I, I, it would have been for me to be in his situation, and he exceeded my expectations this year. I'm excited to see what he does next 15, year. 15, Danny. I, I just hope that they don't implode it because I think they got the pieces here already. I just think that, like you said, Ryan, another year, what he did this year, he's going to grow onto that. I think you've got the right pieces already in place with some healthy bodies. Uh, uh, Byron Buxton, we, we talk about it every year. Give him a full season, healthy-wise. They've got the pieces here to win. Guys, thanks for your time. Great job. Thank you. We thank Perk. We thank Danny. More baseball next on your home for Twins Baseball. You've been listening to Inside Twins, brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network.